This is Fireground Action Photography, episode 47 for January 10th, 2010. On this episode, we sit down with Jeff Zimmerman of the Southern California Fire Journal and ZimmermanMedia.com. Hello and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling and I am your host. Welcome back to, for another year. It's 2010. This is the first episode of the podcast for 2010. This is episode 47 and joining me for the 47th time is my trusty co-host, Ross Benson. Welcome, sir, and Happy New Year to you. Hey, Craig, how are you? 2010 or 2010? I think we're supposed to say 2010. Is that what it What is? did I say? Did I'm I not say sure. Okay. I'll end it out. It'll be 2010 by the time this airs. <laughs> yep, 2010. And what do we have, uh, seven days, uh, eight days into this year? And have you shot a fire yet? No. Oh. No. My, my last fire of 09 was a car fire in South Central on New Year's Eve. And uh, well, the pictures are posted on my site, firegroundaction.com. However, I didn't shoot video at that, but I shot video of the rest of the night, which is on the uh, the YouTube page, Fireground Action. That's right. I, I saw your uh, your auto fire. It was a uh, car in the middle of the street in the middle of the good part of town. It was. And uh, shooting alongside me at that car fire was our guest for today. One of the goals of uh, the podcast, a request from many of the listeners, was to uh, meet new photographers through the show here. So we're doing that on the very first show of 2010. Uh, as I said, shooting alongside me at that fire, and hopefully at one maybe later tonight, is Jeff Zimmerman. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Craig. It is good to have you here finally. been trying to get you in, but, you know, getting through your publicist and all that is a uh, is quite a project, but it's been on but, the calendar for many months, and he says he's made many calls. I have been teasing you for a long time. He's done great effort. <laughs> I, I but, tried to tell him that if we had some good scotch here or a good cup of coffee, you would have been here a lot quicker. Absolutely, that oh. might do it. He, he's well, a coffee drinker. Yes, he well, li- I've yeah. never seen the man eat. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've never where, seen the man eat any food. Where is it? Sometimes he's chewing, but it's just on the coffee grounds. We don't eat nor sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff has been shooting. He's been around a long time. Um, You you, uh, will see your work at ZimmermanMedia.com. So if everybody's listening in front of their computer right now, go to ZimmermanMedia.com and follow along. Well, I've seen his pictures in Firehouse, in Fire Command, in many, uh, the Grapevine, the Union Magazine. I see your pictures in many, many publications. And uh, really uh, good yeah. to... Many of you out there may very well know the name. Um, but your start, you got you, you have a fire background, a firefighting background. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, I started fighting fires uh, back uh, right around 1979, 1980 with the Forest Service. Uh, got interested in fire science back in high school, 73, 74, 75 in that area. Um, went through the regional occupational program in Glendale Fire Academy, excellent program. Went to the emergency medical program at Glendale College, graduated uh, with an associate of science, then went over to the Forest Service, fought fire there for about seven years on national forest lands, and then went up to San Luis Obispo and eventually retired as the training captain for San Luis Obispo. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Could you say that again? The whole thing? Well, well thanks, sorry. Craig. I was sorry. I was, there was a shiny object in front of me. Absolutely. That's my forehead. So Craig. you've got quite a. 
You're not alone. Look at this room. Look at this room right now. We got more more bounce lighting around, but. no, that's cool. You got quite a, a background and expertise, but you, a lot of your background is in uh, wildfire. Wild, wildland fire was my primary with a backup in hazardous chemicals. Is that why you're? Well, the chemicals are a whole other story. Maybe explain us a lot, but uh, <laughs> but the the wildland fire. You're a busy guy during wildfire season, as yeah, as am I. That's kind of my season. About six months out of the year, very busy. Yeah. But but I know you from many years ago and shooting back in those black and white days and Absolutely. real film camera days and. You know, lugging stuff and instead of this digital stuff. Uh, what I'm curious is how I never knew, I never seemed to have known you until you came into the, the CFPA. Yes, that's correct. I don't know how we never uh, never crossed paths before that. but I don't know. But now? But you it's, now, it's but all now history now, are. isn't it? Now we know everybody. It's all history. Well, I know you're a, a, a Canon guy. You, you uh, share the same likings that, like Craig and I. But uh, that's digital, and, and I know you go back to Tri-X days and Kodachrome days. And Yes, my grandfather was uh, very big with uh, sound black and white videos. As a surgeon, they wanted to train doctors ar- around the United States on how to do open-heart surgeries. So he tried to put sound onto black and white motion picture film because they used to use cue cards. So he was big into photography, invested heavily into a small company called Kodak at the time and a small company called Disney. And he thought they had great futures in uh, motion picture and sound. So that's why he was interested. So he gave me all his old black and white cameras, uh, told me about Plus X film, Tri-X film, what an F-stop was, uh, how to adjust lighting, very primitive lighting. Um, And then I applied it to what I love to do, which was the emergency scenes. And since he was a surgeon, I was interested in Daniel Freeman, where he worked. And Daniel Freeman had a paramedic training program at the time. So Daniel uh, Freeman being one of the biggest Daniel hospitals. Daniel Freeman Hospitals in uh, Inglewood, in, mm-hmm. you know, South Central Los Angeles. Nice trauma center. So I was very interested. I go to continuing education programs with him. Uh, so we got to see the paramedics firsthand as a very young, you know, student. So I take my camera everywhere we could go. And I shot photos in black and white photos probably in the 70s and gave them to local newspapers, school newspapers, whoever wanted to publish photos. That's great. It's too bad those two companies you mentioned didn't ever go anywhere. But, uh, you know, what was it, Disney? and Yeah, Disney and a little company called yeah, Kodak. Kodak, yeah. yeah they, they <laughs> That's were, a shame. They were small startup companies. But the photography lives on. Yes. But, you know, it's funny, Jeff, because I used to shoot uh, for a local hospital here in Burbank, St. Joe's. And it always got me that they would have their medical photographer do their PR photography. Oof. And and the guy is used to doing open-heart surgeries, and you take him to a groundbreaking, and he has no clue what's going on. So, But that background, you have to know what you're doing at both sides. On so. um, both sides, the emergency side, still side, portrait side. You know, we have to be very versatile in our business. And in fire photography. Yeah, Ab- like, you, like you mentioned, because we do get called upon. We shoot live fire action we shoot portraits and graduations and grip and grins and training like today you shot what did you shoot today uh, today we had the leadership academy graduation the uh, third academy graduation for los angeles city fire department um their photographer couldn't make it today so they put out an emergency page for a photographer so answering the call we go and shoot so that was portrait work tonight we'll be in south central los angeles shooting emergency work down in rat central absolutely what i call rat central the pit of los angeles <laughs> well you know craig and i always talk about it. it's so neat that you can go from in what we do from shooting a a new student or a diploma or a graduation or whatever to could be a raging three alarm or tonight 
Well, one thing I learned from Craig, um, you go from very high-speed action to very low-light situations, and you have to learn, know the, that equipment. You need to know what you can do with ambient light. You need to know what you can do with high-action uh, speed. And you come to Craig's house, and you see all these high-action images of motocross, and I go, well, that's similar to fire to firefighting, very quick action-oriented sports, action-oriented uh, photography. We're portrait work. We can slow down, control our lighting, control our equipment, control color, saturation, textures, whatever we need to do. So it's you have to know both ends of the spectrum. Right. It's not often we can control our environment on the fire ground, if ever, if ever. And you're often working, uh, working in uh, less ideal environments to begin with that are often hazardous. You have to divide your attention because safety, as we talk about a lot on the show, is a huge element. That has to occupy a lot of your mind while you're shooting. Absolutely. Safety is a, is a key point. Knowing our equipment's a key point. Knowing where we can and can't go, where we should and shouldn't go. How to compose a scene. What looks good in, in, our, in our minds. What is the background of that image? What kind of lighting do we have? And, and, you know, is it safe even for us to be in that environment? You know, it's funny, Jeff, you just said something to compose that picture. And a real well-known photographer, Gary Watson, many years ago, probably 30-some-odd years ago, he's from the great family of photographers. There's a difference between, between taking a picture and making a picture. And I think the three of us here in uh, Fireground today, we make pictures because we know when you look through that viewfinder, you just don't snap anything. You got to compose it. You got to look at the background. You got to think what's going on, the the emotion on somebody's face. And we take that all in versus just nowadays these point and shoots where people just go boom. You know, uh, photography is an art form. And you learn from really great photographers over the years what is in the foreground, what is in the background, and how to fill the frame. You go to class after class. But, you know, eventually your eye starts seeing what should be in that photograph. And it just takes a lot of time uh, to train your eye for composition and texture and lighting. And, and what's important, you know, when I started, I was all into the fire aspect. And what was missing was the human component, the sure. people. And it's the people in those images that make the image. It's, it's an art form. It's a, it is. It's a necessary element, uh, and, and, and there are a lot of new photographers that they go and they, they take pictures of the fire, the big flame, a, a, you know, crowning going on at a wildland fire. And you see the experience, a lot of the experienced photographers sitting around talking and, and waiting for something else to happen. And that something else is usually the personnel arriving, the personnel taking on the fire because that makes the image. A, a, a photograph of, of flames doesn't do anything but create maybe wallpaper for your screen unless you're you're trying to document fire behavior particular fire behavior but we're looking for for the personnel that interaction and the impact to the public you know people evacuating what is the story what is happening to these people are they going to fire, uh, into the shelters the red cross are their homes on fire are their business on fire are are they fleeing the flames you know, is their schools threatened? Are their hospitals needing to be evacuated? It's the people, and the people are the story. Absolutely. Well, and we're not just shooting. It depends on who you're shooting for, but, um, you know, the trade magazines, you're not always shooting for that cover shot of that big action shot. We may be shooting for a particular department who needs images of of, of residents being evacuated, like you said, the um, different operations going on, whether it be uh, the shelters in operation, the command post, um, 
what have you. There are other there are various aspects going. There are other things going on other than the action that we, as fire department photographers, try to document. And you can't just get sucked into this one particular thing, the action. And you want to cover. You, you need to keep your head on a swivel and cover other things. You know, Jeff. Um, I. Just real curious, a lot of people ask us, you know, we have a ton of people out there listening to shows, what the different equipment, I said you're a Canon guy, um, but you never told us uh, what uh, model of camera you're running right now. And, and do you know? <laughs> well, you know how it goes, Craig. I'm senile, so I remember one <laughs> Here, let me hold that for you if it's yeah, far away. You your arm isn't long enough. Okay, uh, my favorite cameras, um, an EOS 1DS Mark II, uh, Canon 40D, the 5D. Uh, just went into high-definition video, uh, the Canon X-H-A1. Excellent great camera. little camera for low light, uh, high speed, high def, great sound quality, ambient, easy to use, uh, running up the fire line. Um, I don't really use the film anymore. It just got too expensive to process, even though I did love the color saturation of film, the low grain, uh, the versatility of film. Was but, it a hard transition for you? Uh Let's, let's just put it this way. Uh, my last film camera, I was up in San Luis Obispo, went through an entrapment uh, scenario, uh, took refuge inside of a burning home to get away from a flame front. Uh, the camera gear was left on the front porch. When we came out of the back of the house, all the camera gear was melted. So that was an easy transition. That was ah. the last 11 rolls of film that's, I shot. That's what it took. Huh? And that's what it took. And uh, went down and bought my first digital camera. Kicking and screaming. And that was the end of, of the film experience. Now, do you, you have a 40D. You have a 5D. You have a 1DS Mark II. Do you use any, each of those cameras for a particular situation? Or is it just a, a pool of cameras that you draw from it, for anything? The 40D matches very well for quick emergency response. It matches uh, well with the 580X2 speed light. The 5D does not match with the 580 EX2 speedlight. It's very hard now, to get Now, does it that. not work at all with it? Does it does not, not communicate want with to it? sync. I found that out after trying to use it at several weddings. The 5D works beautiful for ambient light. And that's a full frame that's camera. That's a full frame. And then the EOS 1DS Mark II, I put with a 50 millimeter as a full frame camera also. And that will go all the way, to, I believe, to like 1.4 f-stop. So I can use a lot of ambient light. And I can run that around 1,200, 1,600 ISO with pretty good grain. So I use that for ambient light. And the 40D I use with that speed flash. Um, and then I use a 28 to 300 uh, telephoto lens. And that seems uh, to be your primary lens. I, I, I love that lens. It, it's very versatile. It goes pretty, 28, it's a pretty good wide-angle lens to all the way to 300. It's not the fastest lens in the world, but if we control light and understand light, we can get pretty good images. With that. Hey, you had said a sec. You just said uh, wedding, and wedding. I know uh, from a long time ago you—that's one of your talents. I love weddings. Weddings, yes. you know, besides our own, but um, you know, I mean, when it comes to wedding photography, that's again a totally different. But it's kind of like a fire scene. You only get one chance to do it right. And and there's a lot of emotions at a wedding. You have to be quick with your gear. You have to know your gear. You, you have to know the process of the wedding. Just you, like a fire. You don't have time like to fire. When you're on the fire ground, it's not the time to learn your it's new to gear. Learn your, not time to learn just your Just like equipment. a wedding. That's right. You don't have time. Right. Well, I you found that doing weddings for many years. You have to do it right that first time because they're not going to redo a wedding for you. Those uh, tuxedos are rented. They're going back the next day. And uh, one of my first weddings, I, I remember uh, shooting film, and the film didn't 
hook on and I'm oh shooting and I got past 36 and I got to 45 and I got to 50. I go, it's like a gun in a, in a television uh, cop drama. It never yeah. runs it empty, runs right? Yeah. Well, and I, I said, Oh great. You know, open up the camera, realize that it wasn't spinning. We right there that day we shot, we had to redo it, but I've had, I've read stories where photographers have gotten sued to pay for the tuxedos again and go back and do stuff. You can't do that in wedding photography. Well, it's like not putting a CF card in your camera. Yeah. Oh. Been there, That's done why that. I yeah. disabled the, <laughs> well, the first thing when I get an DSLR is I disable the feature that allows it to take a picture without a card because I went through about 20 minutes of the Universal Studios backlot oh, fire taking yes. some great shots that no one will ever see and I could never prove that I took because, because I didn't have a card. <laughs> but I believe you because I saw you there. Yep, we were there. We were there. Now, did the how did the wedding photography come about? Because you had been shooting fires. Did it come out of necessity? Uh whether it be an, for income or is it something that... No, I wanted to learn portrait work. Um, eventually get portraits of firefighters and whatever. I, I love weddings. I love people. And you have to love people to shoot weddings. It's a very high-stress day, but we make it fun. We enjoy the families. We get beautiful pictures for them to have forever. And it's an art form. How true. I, I find you're exactly what you just said, Jeff. If you don't get stressed out, they're all stressed. They have planned this thing for a year, six months, and in eight hours, it goes by like a snap of your fingers. But as a photographer, you can't be stressed out because, you know, I, I, I could tell you almost every wedding that I've done, events that have happened from the groom mis forgetting his shoes to the <laughs> bride sending the best man for her dress, all those things. But you know what? You take that all in stride, and as a photographer, you just well, I've heard many times that the photographer at a wedding is often looked upon for the the sanity of the day, but also they look to you, the wedding party. They look to you for okay, what do we do next? Oftentimes, we coordinate the wedding. You know, if they don't have a wedding coordinator, okay, it's time to cut the cake. It's time to throw the bouquet. It's time to throw the garter. It's time to have the first dance with the dad. You know, it's very important things, and then those photos last forever. Mm -hmm. and those are the memories that the dress is put away, the cake is eaten. The relatives are gone. All the booze is gone. But guess what? In a few weeks, here come your proofs. And that lasts forever. Now, what have you taken from the wedding photography that you use in your in your emergency services photography? Don't now? bring your wife to a fire. Uh, oh. Uh, lighting. Don't, don't watch out for the cake. Lighting, lighting, lighting. It's all about light. Available light? Available light. Uh, very low light situations. Very dark churches. Trying to capture that moment, capture in just a blink of an eye that special image, just like at a fire. There's the firefighter bringing the child through the door. There's that very quick look the firefighter gives you going in through the front of that burning building or coming out of that burning building. The loss of a loved one. Those are very dramatic photos, and you have to be very quick to capture that. And planning, checking your gear, constantly checking your gear, constantly checking white balance. I shot a wedding uh, with ambient light, and it was tungsten lighting, and I didn't gel my flash. So I spent hours in Photoshop, Craig, hours making a simple little mistake because I didn't double-check my gear. A mistake I'll never make again, but that's something I learned. Let's, let's expand on that a little bit. How is important is white balance in oh my available life photography? It, it's oh, very Most important. people are just going to leave it on auto white balance. I do know, you do that? I, I know Ross is an expert in lighting and gels. Um, 
No, I white balance constantly. I look at different lights. I have a book on different lights because we go to incidents under very different lighting conditions. Some might be under fluorescent. Some might be under tungsten. Some may be out these mercury vapor lights. They all have different temperatures. Um, our flash has a certain temperature that we have to adjust. Um, so we're always looking at lighting. And part of our training is what light is available and what do I have to do to capture that light to make my photo look amazing. Personally, I'm trying to use a lot more available light these days. I go through these phases where I try something new, try a different technique, and it, it kind of allows me to to keep different skills fresh so they don't go by the wayside. A lot of times, I don't even – recently at, at night incidents, I, I rarely pulled out the strobe at well, all. What's nice about the newer cameras, you have less digital noise. So you can use higher ISO. You can use those full-frame sensors. You can put a 1.2, 1.4 fixed lens on there, use beautiful ambient light mm -hmm. and capture those at a much higher speed than we used to. And I'm sure, How true. you know, we, yep. we used to be a 30th mm -hmm. of a second, maybe right. a 60th of we're a second. We're able to stop the action now a lot better. Now at 1600 ISO, we're probably up at 1 125th, sometimes up to 2 50th of a second mm -hmm. at you nighttime. Know, we, we have a couple of photographers that, uh, with the new Nikons. They're shooting traffic accidents. In fact, they're up on our Flickr page where ambient light on a highway in the middle of the night and it's just amazing the you don't get the reflection off the the reflective stripe off the gear everybody's wearing a vest now so if you're using flash it's all bouncing back but with available light you don't have to worry about that bounce those back. cameras up around 6000 plus ISO amazing mm -hmm. piece of equipment we never had with the latitude of old black and white well, they said uh, Beth, with black and white, and uh, when we went into Kodachrome and the Chromes, you only had a couple of stops you can go. With digital, you have eight stops each direction that you can make adjustments when you get into Photoshop. Well, the beauty is being a professional. Hopefully, we don't need eight stops. That's right. We should, That's right. you know, maybe a third of a stop, something along those lines. We should be pretty well dialed in looking at lighting situations. We should know that by by our training before so we. What you're saying off. is just looking at a scene by with your eye. Yes. You should be able to kind of figure the settings your camera should be at. Absolutely. Now, Zimmerman Media, you uh, you have a couple of your quite a few of your wedding pictures up. We, we post a few of the sample books that we do. We use a company called Graphy Studios to build our, our wedding books. Uh, they're a leather-bound book when we're done, and we import them into Photoshop, ship those images to Italy, and then uh, hopefully we bring a PDF back to us, and they're very low-res PDFs. Do you charge extra post. because they're imported? No, but Graphy Studios is <laughs> an excellent production, but those books are very expensive for us to print. Wow, but they're worth it. The, you're well, paying the, for the product, leather right? crafted, hand-bound book. Like, it's beautiful. Like Jeff said, and, and I've had a brides call me years later. In fact, I just recently talked to somebody. I shot their wedding, I can't believe, 20 years ago. I just It blows me away. And they pull out that book from under their coffee table or under their bed, and those pictures have to look as good in 20 years than they did the, the day you handed them to them. You know, if not, they're going to be calling you. The new papers are amazing. The metallic paper, the Kodak Endura paper, they last, I think, probably 99 years long after I'm gone. Are you printing a lot of your fire images, or are they staying mostly digital for whatever the reason? Do you Are you finding a reason to, to print them? What I want to do, Craig, is eventually compile the best of the photos over the last 30 years and eventually put them into a nice handcrafted leather book. A lot of the images we use for publications, and once we keep copies of those publications, 
Otherwise, unless people want those images, then we'll print them for the customer. If uh, thousands and thousands of images over just one fire season, you multiply mm -hmm. that times almost 30 years, that would be a phenomenal amount of work. Well, remember the expense when we were shooting film? How many rolls of film we'd go through? Then you'd have Gosh. to process that. You'd have to print that. Even Whether they came prints. out or not, you'd have to process it to just to see if they came out. What was that little photo mat? When photo mat, do you remember oh, those yeah. little booths yeah, the in little the huts. park and the yeah. little huts? I was their favorite customer. You know, I go to a fire and give them 10 rolls of film and say, hey, just make me a proof sheet. And they're like, what? I remember you I used know? to go down to Quick Photo in Toluca Lake here, and Roy Disney would wander in once in a while, and yeah. he just recently passed away. Um, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, wait, I brought it back to Disney. Ah, see, well, I thought you said you read Disney. my obituary, and yeah. I'm going, wait There's a minute. A lab. I've written a... it, but I haven't <laughs> read it. There's a lab here in Burbank, Craig, and I uh, know the owner of Multilab. And I just went in there yesterday. He says, I'm moving. And I go, really? He says, well, this I bought this building for water processing, for machines that required all the chemicals. Now with the EPA and everything else, you can't use half the fix or half the chemicals that we used to. And he's looking in to go into from a 5,000-square-foot shop to maybe 1,800 square feet. Mm -hmm. He has one machine that will do everything up to 36 by 42. He says, I don't need any more space anymore. That and a computer. Well, look at what we can get done in a 8 by 8 room here. Hey, wait. And we're on fire ground here. We're yeah, ground. exactly. Thanks for coming back. Bring it back. I wanted to ask you about the, the multimedia aspect because you shot stills for years and years, and now you're getting into the high-quality video. Um, how are you, how are you finding that that's adding to the work? And do you think that's something that's necessary now for a photographer to expand into the moving picture? Well, there's a power curve of learning. Of course, every time there's new technology, there's a power curve. You know, when we went from still photography, black and white to color photography, then to digital photography, then to high def video, there's a power curve. You know, there's certain settings we can use in automatic uh, mode on the XA1, it's a beautiful camera, or we can go to manual mode. It even has XLR inputs for mics. It has good boom sign. mics. It yeah. has great things. We can wire, brighter, groom, have excellent sound quality with that camera. This one smells like smoke. Is that addition, yes, an additional yes. charge? Well, the cleaning of the heads is the big charge on uh, the digital equipment. So it's very expensive. I have Fozcheck on, on my camera. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> now, Jeff, um, HD... With video, Canon is coming out with the 7D recently, the 5D Mark II that does high. But you shoot a video camera separate? Do you I do. When, when I go to an emergency, I have to think who my end user is. I, I have magazines that I'd like to do. I have newspapers that are interested in images. But then there's the time to put the still camera down and then pick up the video camera. However, some of the new still cameras, the 7D and I believe the 5 the Mark, the five, 5D Mark you know, II. the five D Mark II. Yep. It, it has uh, video in it as well, short right. burst clips of video. And I think the viewer wants to see multimedia productions. I think if we bore our clients with anything more than three to five second clips, they're going to move on to different uh, media aspects. And same with emergencies, short burst of video and short burst of stills and then we can make a very powerful multimedia presentation for people well and i think that that outlets allow this i mean i have videos up on youtube i'm shooting more video now 
I have stills on the website. You starred in a recent video of New Year's Eve when we oh, were down in fabulous down in Rat Central. Yeah, you like that, huh? I cut out the bad as, parts as we're all sleeping. That's the scary part. Yeah, it was a pretty quiet night, but uh, but just for that, and, and there's a question to be asked, and I've I had to ask myself this question too: is when do you pick the still camera and when do you pick the video camera? Because every time I'm taking still pictures, I'm thinking. Boy, this would be great video. Every time I'm shooting video, boy, this would be these would be great stills. And I've tried to build brackets to incorporate both, so I could be doing both at the same time. How do you make that decision? Well, I think you have to think of what your end use product is. Uh, if you're going to shoot for the television station, you're doing your high def video. And if you're trying to make money in that, or are you doing a story on wildland fire, wildland firefighter safety, or Something for the journal. I own a little magazine called Southern California Fire Journal. And I want to talk about that. And and we want to get a cover shot. And we need a cover shot of something important, urban interface fires or firefighter safety. And we go, oh, that'll be a beautiful subject. You know, I know you made a special bracket so you can shoot video and still pretty close together. Uh, Todd Sudemeyer, who's also in our room. Who's shooting a little who, behind the scenes video. He's shooting a little behind the scenes video for us tonight. But he also has that. Five, the Canon uh, five, five Mark II, you can, right? You can, you can talk to it. It's okay. You, you, you can you can say this something. You can talk. It's a beautiful camera, and he can shoot bursts of video and still simultaneous. But he has to make that decision. You still have to flip important. a switch. You can't you shoot can't stills both. while you're shooting video. Well, you can shoot. Yes, you can. You can be shooting uh, video, and it will take stills. But what I've found, especially at night, is is the camera adjusts. Here, correct. The, get right, get right in on the mic there. The camera adjusts for the lighting, so when you shoot the still, a lot of times it's reduced down to a thirtieth of a second or something, and, it, and you get you don't get a great photo. So However, you get movement and right. so forth. However, if you do have good light, it's right on. It's spot. And on. and a lot of these cameras that do allow you to take a still at the same time, it's actually recording. Um, the uh, let me see how I can say this: the the quality of the still taken from the video is nowhere near the quality. Had you just taken a still, it, it's great because the quality of the video is still a lower quality than Correct. than the, it Correct. would if you were in still mode, so to speak. But, it's almost like capturing a frame of the video, right? Yes. One thing you have to remember, though, Craig, is when you look back at your career, you look back at those photos. What is hanging on your walls? And usually not video. Mm -hmm. And those are the most fond memories you have hanging on those walls in your home. I mean, we have moving picture frames now of course we have large screen tvs where we can put in a cd a dvd but those pictures they're timeless they're timeless keepsakes mm -hmm. and when i want a memory it's a still photograph i agree i'm with yeah, you there i just came from uh, fire station 11 a guy they're changing shifts tomorrow or this week and one guy's going from a shift to b shift you know he ordered two eight by tens versus ordering a, a video because what are you going to see it on? He, he wants to give it to the other guy, put it in his locker. You're not going to shoot video of that. You're going to shoot. When we go to the magazine uh, publications, the Grapevine magazine, we look back at photos way back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 20s. 70s. That's when Mike started shooting for <laughs> <laughs> They still had horses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> One of the most profound and excellent fire photographers in the state. However, we look at those photos and the memories that those instill the, of the bygone days and the people, and you just can't get that in a video. Well, and that speaks to how important it is to compose a shot well, but also to tell a story. You have one frame to tell a story, and the best photos, the ones that last the ages, are the ones that 
we'll look at our old pictures now and go, and there's a story behind that picture. And Absolutely. it brings back all of the memories of the those. memories. You have a veteran fi- a firefighter that looks at one of your pictures, and they will remember everything from that fire based on that, that image. You remember what you were doing that day. Who was with you that day? Mm-hmm. What your family was doing that day? What was important to you at that very moment? And that's what the picture brings back is the memories. And, and a snapshot doesn't necessarily do that. A photograph will. Exactly. And, you know, that's what I find. Pardon me. I've put some um, slideshows together. I call them slideshows, but they're multimedia shows. And you can now take a still and do some zooming or moving and and layer them so you have multi. And, uh, you know, if somebody's retiring, those are great shows to do. But video? I don't think those guys are looking for that exactly. You know, Craig and I were just looking at iMovie and interjecting stills with moving pictures. It's amazing. Overlapping a soundtrack, putting music to it. But at the end of the day, when I want to remember, it's yep. a still photograph. Well, what do you have on your walls? Videos? No, we have pictures. We'll I have, have pictures all pictures. over my walls. Absolutely. Um, those are the memories. Those those are lasting. But we find ourselves doing both. Whether So you're a very purpose-driven um, a photographer out on a scene, whether it's video or stills, you're looking at the end goal. Some people are out there. They just want to document as much as they can document. Some people have specialties. And some people are experts in video. Some are experts in still photography. You know, it just depends how you're trained. So I'm trying to learn both. I'm trying to keep current. It yeah. takes Well, I think the line is getting, is getting blurred. And, it's and getting blurred it, as technology it, it, comes in. It's harder and harder, you know. I think keep you, up. Well, you said it a second ago, Craig. People have specialties. Our good friend Keith Cullum, equipment, rigs. I mean, if there's a, a base camp set up, that's where Keith is shooting. He's shooting the rigs and base camp. And, well, and those are portraits. You're right. shooting a portrait. It just happens to be of a, of a fire engine. Yeah, it's not moving. It's staying there. Are a hundred of them or so forth versus, you know, the other people that like to do different things. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. That's right. Let's talk about Southern California Fire Journal. You mentioned it a minute ago. Um, this is a magazine that you publish. Uh, tell us about how this started and uh, and tell us a little bit about what, what's it all about. Okay, Southern California Fire Journal is a idea we came up with about four years ago. Uh, was to discuss contemporary issues in the fire service facing Southern California, especially our urban interface, wildland fire problems, uh, paramedic issues, legal issues, uh, things that sometimes can't be talked about in a national publication, but we can take a narrower focus specifically for California. And since California is such a diverse area between northern and southern California, we focus more on the issues impacting large metropolitan fire departments of the urban interface uh, problems in our national forest, uh, paramedic issues, any large-scale incident that we can get to, we'll try and cover, document, and uh, update a daily blog, put out information about evacuations, whatever we can do to help Southern California fire departments. The daily blog, every incident we go to, we try to post on the blog during the station fire, uh, evacuation areas, uh, what was going on on the fires, some simple photographs of the incident for people to look at. Uh, links, fire weather links, uh, any link related to Southern California fire operations we put in there. Hot shots we try to cover. Um, you know, it's just an idea we came up with to focus on Southern California. Uh, it came out about three years ago, right when I was ready to retire uh, from an industrial accident. I said, you know, 
now it's time for me to take my dream and uh, work on it. Unfortunately, as we all know, publications and color printing is extremely expensive. And uh, sometimes the ad revenues with the recession aren't, aren't quite there, but we still keep publishing as much as we can. And then the idea of digital publication is uh, coming along. We've got an amazing amount of information on the website here, which uh, you can get to at southerncaliforniafirejournal.com. Um, the There's lead a story here is a, is a health-related story. Yes, we'll, we'll put in health-related issues. We'll put up legal issues. We'll put in technology issues. Uh, we had a large lightning bust last year. We had 2,000 fires from lightning. So we had a Ph.D. write a story about how dry lightnings formed. On uh, the next issue, uh, we have several of my friends have come down with cancer and occupational cancer-related injuries or deaths. So we had the uh, attorney, John Ferrone of Ferrone and Ferrone, write a very nice article on cancer presumption and what is happening with the legislature trying to repeal that cancer presumption. So we're trying to stay current. Anything that we think is important, we'll try to post so for even, firefighters. Even though this is a, a more of a regional publication, there's information in here that can benefit anybody. A anybody in the fire service, uh, EMS. We have a link with RSS to GEMS. So when they put out critical information, it automatically updates in the emergency medical section. Uh, the labor issues, we'll, we'll get to that shortly uh, with different links from professionals in the uh, area of labor. Uh, fire photography will be on there. You know, different links to fire photographies, different links to fire agencies. People who want to be firefighters can go on there and look at different um, hiring processes, L.A. County Human Resources, L.A. City's Human Resources. So it's going to be a portal for the fire service. It just takes time to mm -hmm. build. Well, you've, you've come miles since, uh, since I began visiting the site. The amount of information here, I'm looking at all these links, weather information, media information, education, news. Um, it's, you've got to, it looks like a lot of work is going into this. Every day is probably committed four hours a day just to update the website, update the journal. Uh, we have a graphic designer on staff. He's part-time. I handle stories. Uh, different photographers donate photos. Like Todd and I will be in southern uh, South Los Angeles tonight shooting. So we'll get photos for the journal as well as the Fireman's Grapevine magazine, the U Uniform Firefighters publication, whatever we can do to keep the fire service up to date. And then we hope in the future that other firefighters will send us stories, information, and then, in turn, we'll come down and photograph, like we did today, graduation ceremonies, mm -hmm. uh, live fire training, whatever we think would be important for people to know in the fire service. Now, is there a, a printed version of these regularly available? Yes, or is it's that... a quarterly publication okay. through uh, SoCalFireJournal.com, and uh, we print a full-color um, magazine. It's usually about 36 to 38 pages. it is pages. a super high-quality magazine. It's very I, nice I have one print. of the, the first edition, yes. and it was fantastic. Yes, and we have a new edition coming out, um, hopefully in the next two weeks. But, you know, we have to get it through the proofreaders and the, uh, you know, because we don't want to have mistakes. And uh, I'm not an editor-in-chief, but unfortunately, that's what I do. So You are now. I am now. You are now. Congratulations. Multimedia. Yeah. Multimedia. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, congratulate you on that, on the efforts there. It's a uh, Quite a project and a, a great product you have going. Well, just like your podcast, you know, you started with an idea, you brought it to fruition, you bought the technology to do it, you got your friends to help you set up your company, and now you're at your 47th podcast. So that's an amazing feat in itself. So 
we're hopefully just following on your shirt tails, Craig. Well, it's it's all born from passion. But if you'd like to sponsor an episode, uh, I'd be more than sure. happy to talk to you about that. Sure. <laughs> Um, that's great. So everybody visit that. So, and we'll put links to uh, everything we're talking about in the show notes at firegroundaction.com. But the link, if you're following along, is southerncaliforniafirejournal.com. Yeah, and, and if uh, people want their link put on the site, we'll be more than happy to do that. Can people submit uh, stories or photos? All, to all they have to do is send them to Jeff Zimmerman at charter.net, and we'll put their link up. We'll put their stories up. Uh, we'll send photographers out to meet meet you talk to you as long as it's a legitimate story that it's verified and hopefully it's written you know up at the college level publication we'll be more than happy to publish it fantastic so visit that we'll put links and we'll put the email Absolutely. address in the show notes as well um one more thing i definitely want to cover is uh, communication at fire scenes and notification we talk about that a lot it's not just the technology, but it's uh, you. You started and you now manage a radio system to notify uh, photographers of incidents, but to communicate with each other of ongoing incidents, uh, to communicate on the fire ground. It's Emergency Photographers Network (EPN). Tell us about that. Okay, uh, we have about thirty photographers organized in Southern California to cover large-scale emergencies. Uh, to do that, you need a paging system. You need a digital network. You need electronic mail. We have 18 radio repeaters currently covering from Riverside County to Santa Barbara County, Los Angeles, Ventura counties. Uh, each photographer puts in data to the system. Uh, we respond to as many emergencies as we can. Uh, as quickly as we can, and then hopefully as soon as we get done with the incident, we can post them either up on blog sites, send them to photo editors, uh, post them on YouTube, however media the photographer decides. And to it's post a user-driven system. It relies on input from the members. It requires a lot of member input. You get out of the system what you put into the system. Yeah, if you're just monitoring to get, to receive information. If that, everybody was just there to receive information, there'd be no information to that's receive. That's right. You have to put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, paging uh, things, even at 2 o'clock in the morning. When you don't want to page, you're going to page. And if it's a major emergency fire, we try to page the people closest to the incident, get them responding. And then the people on the periphery help to support the incident. And if you're not going to the incident, sometimes it might be, hey, my car's broken down. Can you come give me a ride? You know, there's support there. And then the other thing is the fraternal organization like we did tonight before we came to your podcast. We all just sat down, had a nice meal together, talked about issues, what's going on. And uh, it's just kind of a fun well, organization. It's a tight-knit group, and I'm a member of EPN. And uh, you have and a to very you, good one. You enjoy the company of the people you're with too. You have a shared interest. You have shared skills. But there's a learning process. We feed off each other. We learn from each other constantly. And you, there's a it's a brotherhood. And I think the more experienced photographers share with the younger guys, it's it's a training process. As Todd and I both look at uh, video cameras, went to EVS video store today. Hey, what'd you find out? What's the new newest lighting? You know, forget the phrasy light. There's a new LED lighting out there. Mm -hmm. Well, now we share that with everybody in the group. Hey, look what we learned today. Uh, I went to this major emergency. What did I learn from that emergency? What went well? What went wrong? Todd, the other day, we had a, a major accident in South Central L.A. While I was calling 911, there's a lady bleeding in the street. Todd went to render aid. He's an off-duty fireman. So he put on his latex gloves and went right to work. So then when the rescue ambulance got there, they go, oh, these are the emergency photographers. They're here helping, and they know who we are. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, 
a nice thing that we give back to the community. We help people. We share information with each other uh, as photographers and journalists, and uh, we network that way. And that reputation is earned. The reputation precedes the group. And pull hose at brush fires. If, if, if uh, you know, it, we can it, lend it assistance. We will put down the cameras and help if necessary. A lot of uh, folks around the country, around the world, may not know exactly what kind of environment. We talk a lot about wildland fire on this show, and I feel uh, I'm afraid we alienate some of the audience because we talk about it so much, but they never experienced it. They don't know what we're talking about. They don't know why it's so important to us. Uh, but it's a it's almost like a war zone sometimes at a, a large scale incident, and sometimes we just have to put the camera down and and help each other out, help the firefighters because they're short staffed or they got dry lines or or something's going on. It's just helping each other survive out there. Sometimes it's not like you're standing in front of a building that's on fire. And for those people back east who don't understand California, in one afternoon we can burn six hundred homes. Well, you put that in the 30-year career of most municipal firefighters. That's a lifelong career to go that many fires. That's a great way to put We're it. We're doing that in one afternoon in Southern California or over a two-, three-day fire. I can count numerous fires up in Santa Barbara, 600 homes, 200 homes. Uh, the Sayre Fire, we had four or 500 mobile homes burning at one time in right. just in a few square blocks. And at times, hey, you put down the camera, go help people evacuate, get their medicines, whatever they need, get them to shelter, and then let's go back and tell the story if we have to. But the EPN is designed more as to coordinate. The other thing is safety. If your car breaks down at a fire, hey, let's go pick up a brother, put right. him in the back of our cars, and he keeps shooting. You know, if anything goes wrong, we know where each other are in case we do become trapped or there is a problem. We, we have help out there. That's the goal of the, of the EPN. And it's, it's high tech. It's developing. Uh, we come up with new ideas every day. Technology is out there to facilitate us. So it's, it's quite the, um, what do we say, Todd, the labor of love being it's, involved with EPN. I guess. It is. It's, it's a passion. Funny. You, you All this that. is born out of passion. Many years ago, Craig uh, and I, um, I used to drive a uh, several different vehicles, and uh, we're going to talk about the the Valdez. <laughs> That's what they used to call my car because I used to have Burned to stop the Chevy, the S10 Blazer. S10 Blazer. I used to have to stop once or twice before I got to a fire to put another quart of oil in. We'd be hearing a fire burning across town, and he'd have to dump a quart of oil in the engine before we could go. While the scanners were making the lights go dim. Way back when we were roommates. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember once I was down in Long Beach, we went down to a rescue um, off the coast. Coast Guard rescued uh, seven babies. I yeah, think, it was and, a big water rescue. Yeah. And in the middle of Long Beach, my truck decides to break down in the middle of the best part Otherwise of town. Otherwise known as the LBC. Yeah. That and, part of Long Beach. And uh, all, most of the guys went off to the local Winchells, and I'm sitting there, and my tires are not turning, and I'm waiting for AAA. And on all four corners, there's some brothers, not my brothers, that uh, wanted to offer me some assistance. Well, I put out a call for help, and I got some help. And help came. Help came, yeah. But uh, 
what kind of technology are you using for the the paging? The paging. Uh, I hear the question being asked already. Oh, pagers! How do you how do you page each other? Okay, well, we use Vtext paging. We use Yahoo Instant Messenger. We use a uh, is it Google Groups or Google Groups for emergency paging? And you can have those directed to your phone. To you your can have phone. it directed to your cell phone. You can have it directed to your computer. You can have it directed to a digital pager. Then we rebroadcast everything on one of the eighteen channels for the radio network. Um, hopefully the nearest repeater, and then the backup system is we call our brothers. When when there's a need for photographers, even you might be sleeping, you're going to get a call from me. Hey, we got an incident in Burbank. You got an incident in South, uh, Orange County or Riverside County. Todd will call me and go, hey, get up. We got a wind-driven fire down on mm -hmm. the 210 front country. I know you can't hear that on your radio living out in the desert, but why don't you start rolling this way? Somebody can hear it. So. We, we try to reciprocate with each other, and that's the important part. Well, I remember the Universal Backlot fire. I, which you slept through most I of, I slept by through, the way. like, three of the first three hours of it, right? <laughs> and, and how many times did I call you, brother? Uh, I think on, I had, like, man. three voicemails oh, okay, of you maybe. coming. You were coming down from Palmdale <laughs> an hour away calling me. Yeah, and my, I remember I just, at some point, woke up to my portable radio. You were talking to Ryan Ling on direct. About yeah, I think we're going to go up to Mulholland and get some overall oh, shots yeah. of the smoke going across the valley. And I hear that, my eyes open, and then I hear, and then you say, and I remember like it was yesterday. You said, "Yeah, this is an historic fire, Ryan." And I sit up in bed at that point, wondering what have I missed? And I and you're saying you're going up to the Mulholland to look back at Universal. And, hmm. so I remember pulling pulling apart my bedroom blinds and seeing the smoke, and and I went. And spent the next four hours there on the fire ground. It was still going. And Absolutely. I was hours late. But uh, through no fault of yours, you certainly put forth the effort. But it was the radio that I heard, the, yeah. the, con the conversation between the photographers. And what we did with Universal Studios, we had Mike Meadows, who lives very close, very well-known Los Angeles photographer. Mm -hmm. He made it there first. He started shooting right away. Um we heard we have a major fire that was going to burn multiple hours. It's a, the whole back lot of Universal Studios Productions in Hollywood. I started to get up. I had just come from South Los Angeles, went to bed, drove an hour back to the fire. And the fire is still blazing. So came in as close to the fire as we can and then backed out and tried to get an overall perspective, even going 15, 20 miles away. And there was time to do that. Absolutely. And same with our large-scale fire. Some of the best photos are shot from probably 30, 40 miles away, the overall impact to the whole community. And that fire had so much volume that we could see smoke probably at least a good 20, 30 miles away. Yeah, it blew across the entire San Fernando Valley. All from that right fire. at sunrise. It was uh, something to see. It was a historic fire. The whole back lot, the Universal Studios, I believe, burned twice. Right. Uh, I was, was at the well, you were at the first one. Ross was right? probably at the first one. And Al yeah. Simmons was there yeah. and Keith Gollum. Uh, the old timers were yeah. all there. You the know. first generation. Yeah. 19 years before. It was it burned 19 years ago, and I, we were there all night long. All, all night long. Yeah. And if you'd ever been fire. to uh, any of the listeners have ever been to the Universal, um, the tour, and the rides that are back there, the the King Kong, the King Kong exhibit that, that burned down, yeah, and the that, film vault, the, yeah, the and film the vault from the I film remember vault. them carrying. I have several images of them running out with reels of film, and the names on some of these reels were historic films. And um, the smoke production from that film was something to see, unbelievable. Yeah, that wasn't the wasn't the healthy smoke to be standing no. in, which we all did, but 
It took a few years off of our lives, but it was a, a historic fire uh, for sure. Well, Jeff, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. You're welcome back anytime. Well, it's been wonderful being here, Craig and Ross, and wish you guys the best and Happy New Year to everybody out there. And for Todd Sudemeyer, I know we all want to have everyone be safe and a productive 2010, and we look forward to seeing everybody out there. You know what, Jeff, uh, as Craig said, uh, we'd love to uh, one of these times – you're out there, I know, roll into an incident or, uh, you know, at an incident a day or two into it. That's when you can usually back up a little and don't have to be shooting for every second. Call in and do a, a, a live uh, clip or so from the scene. Yeah, I just learned that from Craig. That'll that be, he that'll has be, that option. That'll be hard to do when I'm standing next to you out there. Yeah. But <laughs> I have that portable recorder, too, at the, uh, the La Brea fire. I was walking down dirt roads with Gene Blevins and Mike Meadows and, we were just talking back and forth, kind of that hand, that uh, feet on the ground experience. But I do, I can take phone calls and record those, and we can do Craig this many knows ways. That uh, probably after three or four days on the fire line, I don't make any sense. And my eyes are bloodshot, and I don't sleep. So three it'd probably or four days probably be better to uh, wait until I get a few hours sleep before I make a live broadcast. Uh, well, nothing's live. Anything can be edited, Jeff. <laughs> uh, where's a good place uh, to to see your work? We always um, go around and, and give everybody the website. Sure. ZimmermanMedia.com is the portal. Southern California Fire Journal. Love to have people submit information there. Definitely check out the editor's blog on Southern California Fire Journal. And if you want your links added, um, be more than happy to post your links um, anytime we can. Uh, the Grapevine Magazine, Los Angeles Firefighters Relief Association. We publish information in there constantly. Uh, the UFLAC papers and most trade journals will be more than happy to submit images. To. And you're on the Twitter? Um, I believe so. You think? <laughs> I, I believe so. I'm we trying to keep to up with all the information and also a blog spot, but the blog spot comes up on the SoCal That's Fire Journal. That's incorporated through the, the website, but the we'll website. put your Twitter handle up there too so people can follow Yeah, you, you might have to look what that is. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. You have too many people doing stuff for you. Do you have a website, Todd? Yes. What is that? Uh, FireWXphoto.com. Fire WX Photo with a PH, the proper? Or yes. I know people get yes. creative with the, the F. Yeah, what's good about FireWXphoto.com. We'll put that up in the show notes too. Yeah, Todd's uh, website, he puts up the daily fire weather for us out there in San Bernardino County. And that's part of sharing oh, in the you. network. You're the Absolutely. weather guy. He's one of our right. weather guys. He's that's one of our right. weather gurus. How so did I not put two and to two together him. so quickly? Uh, Ross Benson, sir, where can people see you on the interwebs? Firepictures.com. Everything's fire pictures. Your fire it pictures is. on Twitter, so twitter.com slash firepictures, firepictures.com, which, of course, you're still updating. Well, you know, <laughs> it's the new year came, and I was going to do it over the New Year's holiday, but I started into this new Lightroom Uh-oh. process. And uh, that has taken over my... It's addicting, isn't it? Oh, it is. Unbelievable. It speeds everything up, but then seems to magically take more of your time. Yeah. At the same time, because you use it all the time. So I'm looking forward to our future conversation on Lightroom now that I've gotten my catalogs straightened out and my yes. files. And we'll be doing a follow-up uh, episode on Lightroom, and we might work uh, Aperture in there, too, because I'm, I'm lining up a very special guest 
Um, I don't think I should say who no, it I, is yet. Let's keep the lid on that box. All right. Um, if you want to find all the show notes, all the things, all the links we've talked about tonight, and also you can listen to uh, this episode as any other at uh, the home of the podcast, firegroundaction.com is the website. What are you doing? I, I got to read this. We just, the dispatch just went out and I had it on quiet and the, the uh, narrative uh, female, age 80, conscious, head stuck between the dresser and the bed. She prefers you to access the window because the doors are all locked. <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. You can't. you can't make that stuff up. Um, Twitter, we are on Twitter. Fire photos on Twitter for uh, to follow all the announcements that we put out for the podcast. Uh, so twitter.com slash fire photos. We have a Flickr group. You can join that. Join in any of the multiple discussions going on. And you can submit your fire photos for both critique and just to show off if you want. We are uh, flickr.com and the group is Fireground. Uh, we have over 1,500 uh, contributor submitted images in there. And what's up? And if we can plug the emergency photographers network.com. Absolutely. So you can see all the other brothers work out there. And I know California fire photographers also has an excellent webpage to see people's work the in CFPA Southern California. Site? The yeah. CFPA fact, site. Did I just see, I'm the president of the group and uh, we had somebody put us up on Facebook. We have a new Facebook. We do. Yeah. You, and so does a uh, fireground action photography. It's facebook.com slash fireground. I think. Fire photos? Fireground? Oh, man. You own it, Craig. This is how... Well, you don't know your Twitter account, so don't give me a hard time. I need an 18-year-old to help me with this, the Twitter. See, this is what the show notes are really for, is so I can find everything later and Absolutely. put them up on the site. But join that Flickr group. You can join in any of the 100 or so discussions going on, submit your pictures, and join a community on there of over 150 fire photographers worldwide that have come together in that very Flickr group. It's a great community we've built there. Uh, through no fault of my own. It's happened by itself. I just opened the platform, and uh, and you guys you guys have made it uh, the community it is. You know, one, the one thing I want to add, Craig, uh, I've been watching all these weather guys the last couple of days talking about how freezing it is for all of our guys shooting back east. They are 30 below and 60 below, and, I mean, they are freezing. We're out here in 60 below. Oh, All right, whatever. <laughs> But out here, the BCS Bowl is playing today. It's 75 degrees. It's, what, 110 in here? It's 79 in here right now. But it's a dry heat. But uh, we're out here in this weather, and back east, they're freezing. Yeah. And well, wondering. be careful. you got to watch out for your gear and your own health when you're shooting in the cold weather conditions. Uh, but we'll – what's that? What do you got? Breaking news, Alabama defeats Texas, crowned BCS champs. There you have Thanks, it. You've Todd. heard it here. I guess I don't need that recording downstairs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our technology. Spoiler alert! Spoiler yeah. alert! But uh, if you listen to this days later, if you're already listening to this, you already know the results of that game anyway. But we've just ruined it for ourselves. If you want to see my work, um, all my work, you can see at my aggregator site, CraigDerling.com. It's also DerlingMedia.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's Craig Derling, so it's twitter.com slash Craig Derling. Those are all the places. All those links will be in the show notes at firegroundaction.com. Again, this is episode 47, if it helps you find it a little quicker. Um, you can listen to the show on the website. Or, of course, as always, you can subscribe for free to the podcast through iTunes, Fireground Action Photography. Just do a search there, and you can get all of the episodes downloaded to your MP3 device of choice. 
absolutely free. And if they have questions, throw them to us. We'll be glad to. Send us to. an email. We now have Jeff. We could turn to Jeff and ask him some questions. If we don't know the answer on the show here, we have resources. We, we can, will find someone to help you. We will find the answer, absolutely. Podcast at firegroundaction.com is the email. Don't be shy. If you have a question, ask it. And if you want to send it in the format of, a, of uh, an MP3, we'll just go ahead and put it right into the show here, and you'll be a part of that episode. Everybody, Jeff, again, thank you very much, sir. And thank you for having us. It has been Jeff, it's it been a pleasure, pleasure. Uh, doing a podcast with you. Like Craig said earlier, a lot of people have asked to have you on. We got you on now, and now uh, wasn't it fun? It's, it's a wonderful experience. And, Todd, thanks for uh, stopping in here. Maybe we'll get a little bit of the BTS video you've shot Absolutely. up on YouTube. Wait, wait. He, he said the BCS scores. Now we're talking BTS. BTS. Behind the scenes. Oh, man. Too many Bs. Unbelievable. Well, we've, uh, we're off to a good start, I think, for 2010. Let's keep this ball rolling. Everybody, please be safe out on those fire lines. And we will talk to you next time on Fireground Action Photography. <laughs>